Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Guys at a Mic. I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we have a very, very, very interesting show today. Yes, we do. We got... Uh, um, Hold on. Before we before okay. we do that, we got some announcements to make before we bring uh, our, our guest on. Oh, yeah. I, I'm supposed to do the announcements. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, uh, we've been getting a lot of... Uh, um, calls and everything uh, people would like us to go back and do a show on ex jehovah's witness testimonies so next sunday three o'clock central standard time we are going to be doing another testimonies of ex jehovah's witnesses and uh, we're still looking for dustin diamond um if you can try and get a hold of us um, we would like to have you on our show um, also jeremy miller we've got a call out to uh, him mm-hmm haven't gotten a hold of his agent yet. If nobody knows who Jeremy Miller is, he was uh, an actor on Growing Pains. On Growing Pains, yeah. the, the, the younger brother of Kirk Cameron. Yep, he was Ben Seaver. Yes, Ben Seaver. Also, uh, G-Man. We're looking for G-Man. I know G-Man is probably going through some hard times right now, but this is a call out to him because uh, I want to talk about prison reform. And also, if you were ever in the Roloff Homes Lester Roloff, Corpus Christi, the People's Baptist Church, and you have a story to tell, please um, email us at it's two guys and a mic at gmail.com, and we want to get your story. Okay. Any, anybody out there who uh, has any ideas for a show that they would like us to uh, do for them, you know, uh, once again, uh, get us at Facebook, Jason and Dan. And uh, actually, it's facebook.com slash forward slash it's two guys and a mic. Okay, well, you know, you know more than me. Yes. <laughs> well, let's uh, introduce our guest for today. She's uh, one of the nation's leading experts of vaccines. Um, you've got a page there of some of the things that this uh, lady has been a part of, if you want to explain some of them. Right. She's a public speaker, a natural health consultant, and an independent vaccine investigator. She's been doing that for, for about 40 years. Uh, Mary Toko. Did I, did I pronounce your name correctly, Mary? Yes, you did. Okay. Yes. All right. Making sure. <laughs> uh, you are also uh, on the board. You're a board member of the World Association of Vaccine Information and the yes, vice, vice president of the Foundation for Pediatric Health. Can you kind of let me know what that is a little bit? That consists of well, it's a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit organization that oh. spends most of its time researching what's going on with the children in this country as far as health goes. So um, we haven't really done a whole lot publicly yet, but we're our focus again is researching what's going on with the children's health in this country, and our goal. We have a lot of different goals. We would like to get into the school systems someday and um, change the way education is going there. Um, we really are a think tank of research at this at this stage of the game. Okay, so it's uh, not just vaccines. It's is it like uh, obesity and uh, other other things like that, as far as children's health. It is well. Absolutely. We look at all the environmental factors that are robbing our children of vital health. And as you know, we have more children in this country. First of all, we have more babies die in this country first day of birth and the first year of life than 38 other countries around the world, which to me is unacceptable because we have more doctors, more nurses, more specialized equipment. We have clean water. We have nutrition. We have food abundantly. Even our poor people in this country eat better than other countries. So there's no excuse as to why 
are our children dying? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, uh, the first day in the first year of life, and that's what we look into. Things like that. Well, you know, sometimes it, it's it's an economic factor also. I mean, for instance, I give you kind of a for instance. Uh, if you go to any type of vending machine, and you look at the 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 chips and the candy and all the garbage that they have, it's cheaper than the healthy stuff. than the healthy stuff yeah. than the water and the juices. So people look at it that way. They say, "Well, I can't, uh, you know, I don't want to pay a dollar fifty for a bottle of water, but I want to pay eighty five cents for a soda." You know, so it has well, a lot to do with mind, economics. We're talking, well, uh -huh. we're talking about infants and children dying the first year of life. Right. So at that point, they're on formula or they're breastfeeding or whatever. Right. So when we talk about infants dying in this country, more than thirty eight other countries, there that has nothing to do with you know, the vending machines and the quality of food. It has to do with something is going on in those children that makes us unique and different than 38 other countries. And what we have been able to see consistently is that we do more vaccines, two times more vaccines in this country starting the day of birth than any other country. And by the child, by the time a child is one year old, they would have gotten about 38 to 42 different vaccines the first year of life. Okay. That is profoundly one of the things that we do different than other countries. So that is a, a huge contributing factor. Okay. Um, our uh, topic today is toxic vaccines exposed. Can you go into further detail on uh, uh, the meaning on that? Sure. Well, I, I always like to start out by saying, first of all, I know that we all love our children, and, and if there are, you know, you, you're reaching people around the world, there are people out there who obviously have utilized vaccines and are very concerned and are thinking, what is this woman talking about vaccines not being safe or good? I, I want people to know that, number one, I, I don't judge people for, for what they have done, and I don't tell people what to do either, because I know we all try to do the very best we can with our children. Right. So I also want to apologize that... If the information I'm going to share with you today is, number one, shocking, which it will be, um, and, and it will make you very sad and very angry, which it most likely will, I want to apologize on behalf of the medical profession who has let you down. Uh, these are people that you have trusted. You have trusted your CDC, your FDA, your human health uh, services in, in our government who are supposed to be the watchdog over these vaccines. They are the ones that mandate them and tell you that you have to do them to get your children in school. Um, these are the people that badger you if you don't vaccinate or if you selectively badge, uh, uh, vaccinate. So I want to apologize and say I'm really sorry that you're getting this information a little bit late, but it's better now than never because they're going to um, want your children to continue to do vaccinations their whole life. So. I also tell people, don't trust me. Don't say, you know, oh, Mary Toko said not to vaccinate. What I'm going to do is I'm going to expose 40 years of research into this whole topic. I'm going to try to get as much as I can in today that will open your eyes and get you thinking, and then I'm going to direct you and tell you how you can continue your research because this is a huge decision that's going to affect your child for the rest of their life as well as you. So don't take this lightly and just know that it's up to you to make an informed decision. Right. And so that that's really my key here is just helping people to, to realize that they might not know what they don't know. And 
the mind is kind of like the umbrella. It only works when it's open. Right. So I'm just, you know, asking people that, you know, sit back, put all your ideas, put all your thoughts aside, and hear what I have to say, and know that, number one, one of us is not being honest, either them or me. And I can tell you right now, I answer to God, and I'm not lying about anything that I share today. Amen to that. So I will say, right, I will say that they are the ones lying to you, and I can prove it if I have the time to do so. You sure do. Yeah, plenty of okay. time. Okay. So, so I think the first and most important thing is that I'm not anti-medical. I don't believe that medical people go into medicine because they're mean or nasty or have ill intent. I believe they go into a system and become indoctrinated into a belief system. And they aren't allowed to question when they're in school. They're not allowed to stop the teacher and say, oh, but wait a minute, you know, are all these vaccines tested properly for safety? Or has it ever been looked at, you know, giving children up to 13 vaccines in one moment in time? Hmm. Has that ever been tested? You see, they don't ask these questions. They are spoon-fed what they are to believe and what they are to say and what they are to do. So if you're out there in the medical field, I'm not against medicine. I believe it belongs in emergency care, crisis care. Thank God we have, you know, hospitals and doctors who can put us back together after accidents and injuries. Right. But when it comes to health care, the American Academy of Pediatrics has been in charge of the health of our children since the 1970s. And if you look, on, look out there and see what's going on, they are failing us miserably. And so, you know, we have to, you know, we have to call it as we see it. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not anti-medical, but what I am, I'm pro-health. And I'm also pro-information, and I'm pro-full disclosure and making informed decisions about everything that I do. So I guess the best place to start here would be to talk about vaccine toxicity. Sound like a good place to start? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So when, when people think of a vaccine, they think of a virus and a bacteria. They mm. don't really realize that. There are other things in vaccines that could be harmful. And interestingly, interestingly enough, years ago, probably 30, 35 years ago, doctors were told that one vaccine protected you forever. And so they gave you one vaccine, and usually it was about the age of four, five, or six when you were entering into school. And um, But then they found out shortly after that it wasn't, uh, providing any protection, and so they added increasing the number of vaccines that children get per vaccine. So we now know that it takes multiple vaccines to get what they're looking for mm -hmm. as far as an, an immune reaction. But one of the things that, that we have to ask ourselves is what is in a vaccination? And so I hope people have their pen and paper ready. I'm going to give you some definitions so that you can understand why vaccines are so dangerous. First, we have to admit that vaccines are made in laboratories. They're bioengineered. Many times they take viruses from around the world, from animal parts, decomposing animal parts. Um, they're even using things like caterpillars, insects. Ugh. They use aborted fetal cell tissue. 
Um, the abortion industry is is rocking and rolling really big right now because they're selling these aborted babies to the vaccine manufacturers who are using them to manufacture vaccinations. And oh. I hope that is shocking your listening audience right now. Oh, my goodness. Um, isn't that awful? That is. That's very awful. So we're going to talk more about specific vaccine ingredients, but one thing that goes in every vaccination is called an adjuvant. An adjuvant is a toxin that is designed to stimulate the immune system and increase the response the vaccine has in the, in the immune system so that less vaccine is needed. They actually are supposed to help improve the production of antibodies, which is supposedly how we build immunity against the infectious illness. So according to Guta et al., which is a medical journal, they say that some of the side effects of adjuvants um, can be unintentional stimulation of different mechanisms of the immune system. So they really don't even know how an adjuvant is going to affect each person individually. They go on to say that they're highly variable in terms of how they affect the immune system and how serious their adverse effects are due to the resultant hyperactivation of the immune system. So they know that these adjuvants are going to cause a hyperactive immune response within the human body. Mm. Vaccines without these adjuvants are useless because if you just inject some viruses and bacteria into the muscle, whether it be the leg, the thigh, the arm, your body's going to attack it and eliminate it. Right. And, and, and get rid of it. Doesn't that create antibodies, though? It might produce a little bit, but not enough to create an, a big immune reaction. They want a long, sustained immune reaction that goes on for many days after, after that vaccine is given. Okay? Okay. So without adjuvant, vaccines are useless without them. So now let's talk about specific adjuvants. I might, uh, let me digress for just a moment. Before we knew a lot about the immune system, doctors were told that the only thing that would, would respond to a vaccine is the immune system. Okay. They did not realize that when you inject a, a vaccine into the human body, it's not just the immune system that is affected by what you're injecting. That these particles, these nanoparticles, man-made bioengineered particles get picked up in the bloodstream and get circulated throughout the whole body and many times get into the blood-brain barrier and get past that. So whatever's in a vaccine does not just affect the immune system. It can affect every organ and every system in the body. Mm. So right. that's very important that we understand that because some of the adjuvants that they put in vaccines open up the blood-brain barrier permanently. And, and now that opens them up for uh, some serious diseases or uh, reactions too. Well, let me a blood the blood-brain barrier is something that is formed um, either at birth, it's usually formed, or within a couple of weeks after a child is born. And it's it's dense form of cells that surround the brain to keep toxins out of the brain that don't belong there. Okay. So we have a blood-brain barrier. Parts of the brain, though, not all parts of the brain are protected by the blood-brain barrier. The brain stem is not protected by the blood-brain barrier. So it only protects parts of the brain. So when you have an adjuvant 
that is put into a vaccination that opens that up completely, the brain is now vulnerable to whatever gets injected into the human body. Mm. It's already something. So that's not a serious good. problem. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Okay. So let's now talk about some of the adjuvants that are used. So um, the number one adjuvant right now being used is aluminum. Um, we, we all know about the thimerosal or mercury that was in the vaccines for since the 1930s, literally up until right. 2003. Um, and, and only because of public pressure, the mercury was reduced. And just so you know, the mercury, they said, was a sanitizing agent. It was an adjuvant. And it also helped it to, it was a preservative. So when they reduced the mercury levels, which is a form called thimerosal, they had to increase something in order to cause that ongoing immune reaction in the body. Okay. So what they did was they quietly increased the aluminum level in vaccines. And so the most common one is called alum or aluminum hydroxide, aluminum phosphate, or aluminum potassium sorbate. And what was that alum sulfate. aluminum supposed to do again? Acts as it an works as an adjuvant. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's an adjuvant. It, it causes an ongoing turbo reaction in the, in the immune system so that the immune system responds to the vaccine. Okay. And they say that it's so that we use less vaccines. We don't need as many is what they say it does. Um, I don't know that the science has really proven that, but that's what they're for. So just the aluminum alone. So we would assume, most people would assume, um, medical people would assume that safety studies on aluminum had been done before they increased it in the vaccines. Well, I discovered a few years back that there was only one study ever done on aluminum given to infants via injection. Okay. Now, people, you can take this down and you can look it up. Uh, you can Google it. It's called the Aspen Study, and that stands for the American Society for Parenterial and uh, it's called Parenterial Nutrition and Interval Nutrition, which is what um, children get if they end up in the hospital and they're getting IV therapy. Okay. Okay. So the Aspen study, they did this study back in 1994 and they found that when you inject aluminum in babies intravenously, that it causes problems. Now, one thing I didn't know, which I learned through this study was that when the child is born prematurely, they are given this enteral nutrition and this nutrition contains aluminum, which I never knew that. And I found that very shocking. So whenever an infant is in the hospital getting IV nutrition, they're getting a heavy dose of aluminum as well. Unreal. So this, isn't that unreal? It is. So this study looked, yeah, it's like, uh, seriously, this study looked at 200 premature infants. They took 100 of the infants and reduced the amount of aluminum in their nutrition. And they left the aluminum levels normal for the other 100 children. And their conclusion was that anything above 20 micrograms could be toxic for that infant and cause renal fail failure. Oh. Uh, renal means kidney failure. Right. Okay, kidney failure. So that was their conclusion. Anything over 20 micrograms can be toxic for that children and uh, for the children. And then they they followed these kids, and at 18 months they found that the children who had the full dose of aluminum in their nutrition were suffering with neurological problems. 
you know, developmental neurological right, problems. Right. So they basically told all the hospitals to order products that contained less aluminum. So lo and behold, here come the vaccines. And so, uh, by the way, the, the doctor who exposed that is Dr. Robert Sears. He wrote a book called The Vaccine Book, and he basically is a medical doctor, a pediatrician, okay. who has an alternative, um, an alternative schedule for parents if they want. And he's the one who exposed that the aluminum has never been tested in vaccines because that was the only study ever done on infants uh, pertaining to aluminum. In fact, his quote in his book says this. He said, this is disgraceful and dangerous. My instinct was to assume that the issue had been properly researched and that the studies had been done on healthy infants to determine their ability to rapidly excrete aluminum. No studies have been done, end quote. Okay. So, so now we talk about the aluminum levels in a vaccine. Remember, the Aspen study said anything over 20 micrograms can be toxic to the baby and can lead to neurological injury at 18 months. So a baby goes in, in the hospital to be born. The first vaccination that they recommend in the hospital, by the way, is called a hepatitis B vaccine. That particular vaccine contains 250 micrograms of aluminum. Unreal. Okay? Mm. Micrograms, micrograms, that's not much. Yeah. But anything over 20. it's a lot. Yeah, anything yes. over 20. Anything over 20. Now, we're talking about a brand new child who hasn't even had a full day on the earth, who hasn't developed its brain, its lungs, its bones, its tissues. It's, it's brand new, and the day that it's born, they will inject that baby with 250 micrograms of aluminum when they give them that hepatitis vaccine. By the way, hepatitis B is not a normal childhood illness. This is an illness that affects prostitutes, and drug users. Right. So we have absolutely no reason to be injecting these babies with that type of a vaccine to begin with. Right. Okay, so, and then every time that baby goes in for their well baby visit, which of course, you know, doctors tell everybody you gotta have a pediatrician and you gotta take your baby in every two months. Right. Unless, you know, if you don't do that, you're not a good parent, right? (laughs) True. Which, I totally don't agree with that, 100%. Um, but anyway, they, they, they tell parents you've got to have your pediatrician, right? right. So when ba- that baby goes in and, and starts doing their well baby visits, in the first 18 months of life, this is how much aluminum they're going to get through their vaccines. They're going to get three hepatitis B vaccines, each containing 250 micrograms. They're going to get a hepatitis A vaccine twice, that contains 250 micrograms of aluminum. They're going to get four diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus vaccines. Each one of those contains 200 and, I'm sorry, 625 micrograms of aluminum. They're going to get three Hib vaccines. Each one of those contains 225 micrograms of aluminum. They're going to get four PCV vaccines. Each one of those contains 125 micrograms of aluminum. So by the time a child is fully vaccinated at 18 months, they're going to have gotten approximately 4,925 to 5,000 
425 micrograms of aluminum. Wow. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes, Murray, I mean, I was vaccinated. My, my kids were vaccinated. My, my granddaughter is vaccinated, and there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, could it be just that maybe, well, could, could, well my, my son is 20, 23, my daughter's 21, mm-hmm. and my grandchild is uh, almost five. Now, I said I was vaccinated too. My, my wife was vaccinated mm-hmm. and no problems. Could mm-hmm. it be that maybe there might be something with that, uh, it, it, with each individual person, they might be susceptible. It might hurt some people, but not, not uh, others. Absolutely. That's an excellent question because I hear that all the time. People say, well, I vaccinated my kids, no problem. A right. couple of things I want to throw out to you. First of all, what the children are getting today, they weren't getting 20 years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, my children are all in their late 20s and early 30s. They would have gotten anywhere from 12 to 15 vaccines if they were vaccinated. My children were never vaccinated. Okay. My grandchildren now, and I have big grandbabies that are two years all the way up to 13 years, they would have gotten anywhere between 24 and now they recommend about 38 to 40. So every year they're adding more and more vaccines to the vaccine schedule. Because, and this is my, this is Mary Toko's theory now, okay. but I believe I'm on to something. I would have received three vaccines when I was growing up. That's it. I'm in my 60s. That's all I would have gotten. My children would have gotten eight to 12 vaccines. The new generation of children who are now between the ages of, you know, 13 to two are going to get 38 to 40. Hmm. First of all, let me say this. Because we have three generations of vaccine individuals now, I believe that we are genetically modifying, and I've seen science on this, that vaccinations change our DNA and our RNA. So they're causing a little bit of a mutation in all of us with each generation. It is a fact now that about 25% of this particular population of children, starting about 12 years ago to date, 25% of them have got genetic SNPs in their, in their body now that does not allow them to detox properly. Properly, They actually have a genetic predisposition to sensitivities to these terrible adjuvants, as well as their ability to detox has been cut off. Wow. Holy cow. So that is why some children, some children will be just fine. But that doesn't mean, number one, they still got those toxins in their body. Right. How many kids, how many kids this day how many kids have asthma? How many children have diabetes? How many have learning problems? How many suffer with depression? How many have asthma? Well, how many have um, autism, Asperger's? How many have obesity? You see, all of these are what I call man-made, doctor-produced illnesses of this generation. Most of that, some of that's weren't showing up. Some of that hmm, stuff is learned. On. Some of that stuff is learned, like obesity. I mean, it may be in the genes, mm-hmm. but you also have, uh, it also yep. depends on the parents. If the parents are constantly eating and constantly feeding the kids fatty foods, that's what's going to happen. As far as diabetes is concerned, uh, most of that stuff is ba- passed through the mom. If the mom has diabetes, more than likely the kids are going to have it too. So it's not, it's not about, well, well I don't think I it's about vaccinations. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Let me, say, let me share something with okay, you. Okay, go ahead. There was a court case. There was a course. People can look it up. It's the hand-pulling court case where they were able to prove in court that Hannah Pauline received, because of her vaccines, it caused a mitochondrial malfunction in her cells. Now, mitochondria is where we produce energy in our cells. 
Right. right. I believe that the diet does have something to do with it. There's no doubt about it. When parents are buying processed foods, when they're getting the wrong fats, when they're microwaving food, when food that their children are eating, you know, especially in these school lunch programs, is all microwaved garbage, devitalized food. It's, you know, it's McDonald's. It's all of the fast foods. And I do the, believe that, there, <clears throat> that, that that does play a role in the obesity issue. Yep, with all but the additives. it is too. now fat. Oh, the chemicals, my gosh, the chemicals are terrible. The growth hormones in dairy products and cheese and yogurt and meats um, and chicken eggs. I mean, we're completely altering hormones in our children as well. But that's only part of it because we, are now, we now know that a vaccination has the ability to go in and completely change and affect the mitochondria in the function of the cell. So obesity is a new childhood um, uh, epidemic, not only because of the food, but because these children have a mitochondria malfunction. I've never seen anything like it. I've been around for over 60 years. And, and I see these young children, by the time they're four, five, and six, and they look like they're puffy and swollen right. because they're mitochondria. And another thing, there's a phenomenal uh, medical doctor, pediatrician, who also was an attorney, also had a degree in public health. Dr. Mayer Eisenstein, you can look him up. I reference him in my DVD series. Mayor Eisen said that these kids who have mitochondrial malfunction, in order to not gain weight, have to eat one-fourth the food that an average child would eat. Wow. So let, let me ask you something real quick, Mary. Um, do you feel mm -hmm. like the government would have anything to do with it as far as uh, maybe in the future trying to get a, uh, a race of people that they can – um control um, um, i mean is that well, possible and, and of course with that well, of course with that mary before you before you answer that uh kind of adding on to what he said also I, i'm not sure even sure if the government's trying to do like some depopulation maybe there's too many people on the planet let's try and get rid of as many as we can well, something like that we do know first of all i i I, I'm all aware of all of the different um, controversial topics out there and conspiracies. Some of them are theories. Some of them are, are reality. It is a reality. And you can look this up. It's scientifically documented that they have been using vaccinations to cause infertility in third world countries for many, many years. They have done whole studies on, on whole nations where they've gone over and given tetanus vaccinations. And I don't have the research in front of me, but mm -hmm. the tetanus vaccine was also laced with HCG, which causes a woman to end up miscarrying as soon as she gets pregnant. Um, and this is common knowledge out there. When you do this kind of research, you find out that this is happening. I actually have a theory okay. that the Gargisil HPV vaccination is doing that same thing. The HPV Gargisil uh, vaccine for cervical cancer, I believe, could potentially be causing infertility as well. There are several vaccines that I believe could potentially be causing infertility. So I, I don't get into the conspiracies right. um, when I'm doing this type of a, an interview. I like to stick with the science right. because the science is, is really where my forte is. I mean, you know, we can sit down and talk about this for five hours and I can show you <laughs> research about right. this. Um, but since we don't have that time today, I would like to stick with, you know, what I can talk about. Okay. So one of the things, again, going back to the adjuvants, um, so the adjuvants are man-made. Some of them are also oil emulsions, uh, mineral oil, glycerol monosterate, uh, emulsified peanut oil. I, I'd like to, you know, talk about that in itself. Okay. So I'm one of 11 children. 
I have 10 brothers and sisters. Peanut butter was a staple in our home. We ate peanut butter sandwiches probably three out of seven days going to school for our lunches. We have an explosion of not only peanut allergies, but also wheat allergies, gluten allergies from right. wheat, um, uh, against dairy and all of that. Well, we are injecting into the children um, emulsified peanut oil adjuvant 64 or 65-4, and they started using this in the 1960s, and they started increasing it now. It's an adjuvant because guess what? What? Peanut oil does not belong in your blood system, okay? Peanut oil belongs in your belly and in your gut, not in your blood system. So when we start throwing foreign man-made things into the body where they don't belong, uh-huh. your body attacks them and eliminates them. And it, it, it ends up, what's happening is our children are actually creating uh, antibodies against peanut oil. The whole time they're getting their vaccines from the time they're zero, you know, day one, through the first two years of life, they're getting little bits of peanut oil in many of the vaccines. So their body's producing um, antibodies against peanut oil, rightfully so, because it's in their blood. It gets into their muscle. It doesn't belong there. So when that child has its first little taste of peanut butter or eats something with peanuts in it, they have an anaphylactic reaction or they have a full body skin rash or they have a asthma attack or they have something going on. And of course, moms and dads don't realize it's the peanuts. So they often will run to the doctors or to the emergency room and they are, um, you know, given an antihistamine of some sort. And and the doctors say, you know, it looks like an allergic reaction. Of course, we don't know what it was. And until it happens a few times, they haven't figured it out. And then all of a sudden, their child is severely allergic to nuts. And so this is part of the problem. What? Not not everybody has these allergic reactions. I mean, when you think about it, in America alone, we have... What, 300 million people? And, and what's the percentage of people that are dying or, or getting uh, having problems with vaccines? I'm sure it's pretty low. No, it isn't, actually. Right now, it depends on how you look at it. First of all, I believe that vaccines are the number one cause of sudden infant death in this country. Sudden, unexplained death. Why do babies just suddenly die? In the meantime, when you look back and talk to thousands, if not millions of parents, who've lost their children, it's usually within a day, within a day or two or three after vaccination. Hmm. So we have children that are dying at very high alarming rates. We have children that are having, you know, asthma right now is right. the leading cause of chronic illness in children. It affects about 7 million children in the United States. Ear infections um, are definitely related. If you look at the manufacturer's inserts and you read them carefully, you will see that in their own inserts, they admit that this vaccine can cause asthma, this vaccine can cause SIDS, this vaccine can cause ear infections and diabetes. Right now, 11% of our children between the ages of 4 and 17 years of age, which equals about 6.4 million children, have di- are diagnosed with ADHD, and that's according to the parent reports from 2011 and 2012. And now we're seeing a huge increase in children needing special um, education classes in school. It's staggering. Uh, diabetes, type 2 and type 1 diabetes, 15,000 children each year are, are diagnosed with diabetes. This was unheard of when I was growing up. Nobody had diabetes. Depression, anxiety, 
17.1 million right now have some kind of psychiatric disorder. Of the 74.5 million children in the United States, more than the number of children with cancer, diabetes, and AIDS combined are suffering with depression. You should look at the stats of how many four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, and seven-year-olds are trying to commit suicide. Wow. Okay? This is brain, brain disorder. This is not normal. This is not common, and this is not just from food. Something is getting into the brain of these children and disrupting it, and I believe the vaccines are the number one cause. Gut disorders. You know, when I was growing up, I was around tons of people. Rarely did we hear about gut disorders. Now, in fact, they say statistically it was non-existent in children before the 1970s. United States leads in children suffering with Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. And when you understand the gut-brain connection, the gut is like the first, it's like the second brain. So if the gut dis- gets disrupted, the brain gets disrupted. And I know our food does play a role there, but vaccines assault the gut like nothing else, as well as antibiotics. Children who get vaccinated need antibiotics. They get sick more than other kids. It's, it's really amazing. I've traveled this country all over the place. I've been speaking now for, you know, 25, 30 years. I've been all over Canada, and I always survey my, my you know, audiences. If you have children who are unvaccinated, raise your hand, please. Are any of those children autistic? Are any of those children suffering with any kind of neurological seizure disorder? Never. But if I ask my audience, if you have children who are vaccinated and you feel your children have autism, raise your hand. Okay, asthma, raise your hand. Keep your hands up. Diabetes, raise your hand. Skin disorders, food allergies, raise your hand. Every hand in the whole place, whether it's 250 or 500, 80% of the hands are up. Hmm. This is unheard of. I did not see this growing up. Right. And the one thing... The one thing that we have done differently, you know, the food we know is different, but the one thing that we have done differently is that we are injecting our children from the day they're born, the first two to four years of life, with toxic ingredients that were never meant to be made, never meant to be in the human body. I mean, let me ask you this question. If I took an apple and I injected into it high levels of aluminum, you know, 50, 60, 70 times the, the level um, uh, that you're supposed to eat. And I threw in there some bioengineered viruses from a laboratory that came from animals decomposing parts. And I threw in there some phenol, a little acetone, and maybe some polysorbate 80 that we know opens up the blood-brain barrier permanently. Would you eat the apple? No. Of course not. No. But... Well, then Why? Is it acceptable to inject? Because when you eat something, your body has the ability to eliminate it appropriately through the gut system. Our gut is supposed to, um, basically, it's, it's supposed to take toxins like that and eliminate them. Number one, you'll probably throw up. Number two, you might have massive diarrhea to get rid of it quickly, and you might burn a good fever. Because that's what the body does when something happens, when something gets set in, like that in the intestines. So my point is, is if, if we can't eat it safely, why on earth would we ever think it's acceptable to inject this into the bodies and the blood of brand new, underdeveloped babies who don't even have a good blood-brain barrier yet and have not developed a good gut-blood barrier yet, and yet that's what we do without question. Right. Now, let me ask you something, Mary. Um, Have you um, ever found, like, uh, different medical um, doctors and such that have 
uh, vaccines that don't have these additives? No, sir, I'm sorry. Every manufacturer that makes a vaccine has to have additives in it. And so, I mean, adjuvants. And right. so, but, and, and you know what else? It's not just my hypothesis that we're causing problems. I have in my, my series, which I have a DVD series. It's right. on my website, childhoodshots.com, for people to download whatever. I have all the studies that back up what I'm saying. And I'll reference one right now. From the Journal of Autoimmunity, July 15, 2010. The title of this was called Autoimmune Inflammatory Syndrome Induced by Adjuvants. Whoa. And the short version is called ASIA. And you know what they say? Aluminum is now being implicated as interfering with a variety of cellular and metabolic processes in the nervous system and in other tissue. Okay? Whoa. Well, let's look at that. It's implicated as interfering with a variety of cellular and metabolic processes in the nervous system and in other, in other tissues. The nervous system is our brain and our spinal cord. Right. That says it all, okay? Mm -hmm. Then the Journal of Inorganic Biochemistry says about aluminum hydroxide, it says aluminum hydroxide injections lead to motor deficit and motor neuron degeneration. Hmm. Okay? Yep. Sci-Fi Pharmaceutical says, quote, chronic overexposure to aluminum can result in lung damage and has been associated with an asthma-like syndrome. The accumulation of aluminum in the body may result in neurological damage, anemia, and bone softening. These are just a few quotes from some of the studies that are out there. And like I said, I've got dozens and dozens. Um, there's In the Journal of Inorganic Biochemistry, uh, let me see the date on this. Um, the author was Christopher Shaw. And it was published, I'm so sorry, let me see when it was published. They go on to say they identified children born between the year 2004 and 2011 that were in the vaccine safety data. Using immunization records, two cohorts were identified, children who were up to date and children who were under vaccinated before the age of two. Okay? Okay. And basically what they said is among 408,600, I'm sorry, 408,608 children, up-to-date children were exposed to 11 to 26% more aluminum from vaccines than under-vaccinated children. They never studied the unvaccinated kids. Hmm. Well, you have... So now we're starting, I'm sorry, go on. Well, go ahead and finish what you were saying, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer that after that. Go ahead. They go on to say that our resort results said there is a causal relationship may exist between the exposure to aluminum from vaccines and the rising prevalence of autism in the Western world. It's their studies, not Mary Toka's opinion. And that's just a small sample. And that's not including phenol, acetone, polysorbate 80, um, uh, formaldehyde, thimerosal. Thimerosal is still in the vaccines. Hmm. And when you get thimerosal and aluminum together in the vaccines, it could be deadly. Okay? Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, if you start really looking at this carefully and you realize, number one, something dramatic has changed in our environment, and by that I mean 
Something is, our children are being exposed to something post-birth that never before in history has been done. Right. Secondly, it is causing all of these chronic illness. They say one of every two kids in this country right now are suffering with some form of chronic illness and, and much of what I've already told you about. You know, the autism, the Asperger's, the learning problems, the um, hyperactivity, the diabetes, the Crohn's disease, the gut problems, uh, depression, anxiety, all of it. Hmm. So we know vaccines are the one thing that we are injecting into these babies. Right. And I believe that this is the number one cause. Okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I mean, you talk to anybody, uh, you know, um, there's like, in, in fact, in my family, um, I have a nephew who's got autism and he's only uh, 21 years old. And I got a stepson who's 23. He, uh, he has ADD, ADHD, or whatever that is. Um, I mean, anyone you talk to, uh, yeah. w- the young ones, uh, they know somebody who has something. It's just been crazy. Uh, it is crazy. And I would like to respond to your question about how, isn't it like little minute amounts? Mm-hmm. When we're talking micrograms, it's right. you know you can have a microgram or two of arsenic and, and it can kill you. Um, think of it this way, too. If a, a snake bites you and yeah. it's venomous and, and it gets into your blood system, it can kill you within an hour or two. Right. But if somebody is there and they suck it out through their mouth and spit it out, they won't get sick because they're, it's not the same as getting it in your blood system. Right. See the difference there? But they also use... And so vaccines. I'm sorry, go the, on. They also use the, the venom to turn it into an anti-venom. Yeah, for somebody that where it gets into their blood system and they're going to get killed by it and die, that's different. That's You know, we're giving vaccines before kids are having these illnesses. Okay. These, these are proactively done. It's different. You know, one of the things I tell people all the time is, first of all, most of what we're vaccinating for are not life-threatening. Everybody in my family, and I have 10 brothers and sisters, all the neighbors that I knew, every kid that I knew growing up had measles, chicken pox, um, scarlet fever, um, roseola, whooping cough. We all had mumps. We all had all of it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Nobody died. Right. What, In fact, when you, when you look at the statistics, they did not even develop a vaccination for any of this until the death rate from those killers was gone 10 years prior. So the first vaccine was introduced a decade or more after the death rate was down to zero. Hmm. Well, well what about... And what, yet they take credit for eradicating these things. And really, it's not working. It's clearly not working. What about polio? Polio was nearly eradicated until people stopped vaccinating for it, then it came back. Sorry, sir. You are mis- you're misunderstanding. No, it's not. that's not how it goes. Polio is still around. It's in third world countries. It's rampant in third world countries. Right. And what they did in this country. So here, this is something you can look up. And again, I cover all of this in great detail okay. in my DVD. Right. So the year that the first um, polio vaccine was introduced on a mass scale in 1955. Mm-hmm. In 1955, I was born in 56. I got it within a couple years. Within three months of the first polio vaccine being introduced into this country, 70,000 people were struck with polio. Our government, now this is called the Cutter Institute, I mean, uh, incident. 
um, you can look it up. It's C-U-T-T-E-R, the Cutter Institute. Okay. Um, uh, basically, uh, any, like I said, anyone can go Google this. I'm looking for it on my, on my slides. Hold on just a minute. I want to make sure I um, talk about it. So 70,000 people had polio within three months of getting the polio vaccine. Our government secretly halted the program and went into crisis management. And so it was like, what are we going to do about this? You know, we've got the public believing that we have an answer to polio. Um, even though paralytic polio only affects 1% of the population. So most people who get the polio, it's like a flu. Uh, they were under pressure, and so they came out with the polio vaccine. So then between Salk and Sabin, within a couple years, they had another one. And so what they did, instead of calling it polio, they reclassified it and were told, and I have documents, not only here in this country, but documents from the Queen of England to Canada telling them, anybody who comes in with symptoms of polio, you must now call it non-viral meningitis. We're reclassifying it. Hmm. Because if we let people know that it's polio, the polio program will fail. Hmm. How do you like that? Wow. Hey, um, so, no, you, no, no. You you mentioned before uh, about your CD. Can we talk about that a little bit? Um, first of all, sure. what, what's all in your, is it a CD or a DVD? It's a DVD. Well, it's... I have a, it's a six, yeah, it's okay. It's a six DVD series that I just released last year. Okay. Um, it covers everything from the polio vaccine forward. I show you charts and graphs from the FDA, the CDC, the Institute of Medicine, all of the things that I reference are, are their studies with dates and references, and it's available on my website in downloadable form. You can get part one through six, or you can get all of it, and you can get it in either downloadable form, or you can order the whole DVD series right. for me. Child, so. Childhoodshots.com, am I correct? Yes. 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 Okay. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, now, so, um, I... We had talked about uh, childhood uh, vaccines. What, what about for uh, adults or the elderly that uh, have to get different shots nowadays? Um, are any of these toxic that you know of? Absolutely, all of them are. All of them are. In fact, I would tell I would tell people out there before you get any vaccination, please, please do your research. There's so much now that we have available to us on the internet that you can look up dangers of the flu shot. You can look up dangers of the pneumococcal vaccine. By the way, nobody has to get a vaccination as a senior person. You don't have to. You have a right to say no. Okay. But you have to know why you're going to say no. Um, in fact, the flu shot right now I think is one of the biggest scandalous things they're pushing like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and before we go there, though, I want to mention this, and, and this is a statement I'm going to make, but it's the truth. And, and I don't tell people to trust me, but do your research. First of all, they have never studied what happens to a child when you give them multiple vaccines like we do now. We give them cocktails. We, we can't give them individually because a baby would have to go in and get 8 to 13 injections in their body. So what they do is they use them in a cocktail form. They throw them together in a vial. Some of them are five different vaccinations in one injection. Okay. There is not one safety study showing that this is safe. Not one. Hmm. They have never studied the long-term effects of vaccines given to children 
at a very early age before their brain and their nervous system and their immune system are developed. Never. Not one safety study. The safety studies done on children are so inadequate. For something to be studied appropriately, you have to have a placebo group, a control group, and then you have your test group. Right. And, and we all assume that certainly our FDA and our human health services, surely they're testing these vaccines out to make sure that they're safe for our babies that we love. Right. The answer is they're not. They're mm. not. They will get a vaccine and they will test it out on children for two to three days, observe them for a week, and put it into the vaccine schedule. Hmm. Unbelievable. Hey, uh, Mary, uh, bef terrible. Be mm -hmm. before we go on, uh, what we want to do at this time is we want to open up our phone lines for anybody who has a question or a comment for you. Our phone number is 605-472-5384. The PIN number is 161335. We're going to ask that you please keep your comments uh, um, respectful because um, we, we don't bring a guest on our show to have somebody say something negative. So and, please and make sure that it's about the topic at hand. Correct. And uh, I also want to give a shout out to my in-laws, uh, Joe and Sue, that are listening. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, I'm glad you're listening. But let's uh, open the phone lines now, 605-472-5384, PIN number 161335, if anybody has a question or a comment now for we Mary. have somebody on the line right now. Let me see if they want to ask a question here. Uh, hello, would you like to ask a question, or are you just listening to the show through the phone? Hello. Don't forget, we also have a chat line. If if anybody wants uh, to uh, ask Mary a, a question, you can also go to our chat line on YouTube. Right. Now, uh, go, go ahead. you got anything else? No, uh, Mary, if... Uh, you, you, now, you said you have some uh, conventions where you're going to be a keynote speaker at coming up really soon. Can you uh, talk about that? Oh, boy, I'm going to have to look it up. Um, I'm going to be in Minnesota <laughs> in September. Let me get my daytimer out here. Okay. Um, yes, I'm going to be speaking. Um, by the way, I speak a lot. I, I'm anxious to do more than I have been lately, but I'd like to get back in there. I took a uh, kind of a sabbatical for a year or so. I moved and, and had to get resettled, but uh -huh. I'm now back on, on the speaking arena. Um, but I'm going to be in Alexandria, Minnesota, uh, the vaccine event that is going to be there. I actually have a, a Facebook page. If people want to hook into me there, I post it on a regular basis whenever right. I do have a lecture coming up. Uh, my Facebook page is Mary. Toco, T-O-C-C-O. -C -C -O. You can like my page or join my page, um, and that's where I will be putting all of that out there. Um, I'm going to be speaking. If I can pull up that contract, I'll pull it up and let everybody know. But one thing I did want to touch upon, um, which host was it that mentioned that these are very small amounts and therefore they're not That's me. That's, that's, that's me, Jason. 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 He's the bad boy. Jason, okay. Jason, okay, awesome. Yeah. I love your question, Jason, because let me just tell you a little bit about the mercury. Um, okay. You know, mercury is a very, very toxic form. Uh, we know that it's one of the most toxic elements found um, on the face of the earth. And so it's basically um, next to uranium, it's one of the worst. The form of mercury that we find in the environment is methylmercury with an M, methylmercury. The form that's in vaccines is ethyl mercury with an E. 
So two different types of mercury, because doctors will often say, oh, there's more mercury in breast milk. We're getting exposed to mercury in our air, in our water. There's more mercury in the environment than there would ever be in a vaccine. Well, let me clear it up. So ethyl mercury, according to the National Institute of Health in 2005, they said ethyl mercury, which is a kind of vaccines now, ethyl mercury is more toxic than methyl mercury because it crosses the blood-brain barrier quicker and converts to inorganic mercury. This inorganic mercury is the most difficult to excrete and stays in the brain longer and in higher levels. One of the problems, too, is when you eat mercury, like as in fish, your body chelates it out. Your body is designed to eliminate it through the, you know, the bowels. But when you inject it, you bypass all the normal protection, leaving the organs and tissues vulnerable. And what's happening is this mercury gets sent around the body and gets picked up by different organs, causing neurological and organ problems. Um, I also would like to tell you what a trace of mercury is. One second, I'm getting to that slide. Okay. So the, the, the um, manufacturers tell you that there's just a trace of mercury in the vaccine. And that implies, that implies that it's safe. Well, let's look at water, which we drink. The, the level, the mandated level of, of mercury in drinking water is two parts per billion with a B. Anything above that, they say, is not safe. If there's 200 parts per billion in any liquid waste, it renders it a toxic hazard. Okay? Okay. When we... When we eat fish, we get about 730 to 1,400 parts per billion. And the EPA says that's all we should ever eat or it could cause neurological damage. That's why they tell women when you're pregnant and nursing, don't eat fish. Because they know that some of it can get into the body and affect the unborn baby. Right? Right. Okay. Well, no. the infant flu shot. Guess how, much, guess how much is in the infant flu shot? How much? Remember, this this is the kind that gets into the blood-brain barrier. 25,000 parts per billion. Whoa. No, you... And if you are an adult, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. If you're an if adult you... who... Yeah, if you're an adult who takes the flu shot, you are getting 50,000 parts per billion of mercury, thimerosal mercury, in your flu vaccine. Now, you said uh, if, if it's... Uh taken by mouth that uh the the body can excrete it out so they do don't they have right don't they have vaccines i think it's like smallpox used to be i don't know if it still is now but we used to take it orally no mouth. that would have been the polio the oral polio vaccine okay and the rotavirus vaccine okay so, so those those neither neither of those contain mercury that i know of Okay. So okay. If, if we were to just take every vaccine like that, would that make it better? Would I, that make I, it better? No. I bet you would throw it up or have massive diarrhea and it would be ineffective. If oh. anything, it would poison you. Okay? Also, the rotavirus vaccine has aluminum in it. None of these are good to ingest. I would, would you want to eat 250 micrograms of aluminum? Right, right. Fuck no. <laughs> Well, pretty soon we're going to end up being uh, uh, like uh, the Tin Man on The Wizard of Oz, these kids, <laughs> with all the aluminum they're taking. Um, but let, let's say you have no, somebody. You. 
let, okay. let, let's Go say on. you have somebody who's who's unvaccinated and they mm-hmm. develop uh, the measles or, or something like that. And they they're at the park and they, they don't realize that they have this condition yet. You know, sometimes when when you're mm-hmm. about to get the the disease, you really don't have symptoms, but you're still contagious and they go out to the park and they're playing with these little kids mm-hmm. who are not vaccinated and they end up getting the measles or whatever and they end up dying. I mean That's an excellent question. First of all, um I want to give I want to give a couple definitions out because okay. I think this is very appropriate. So, I'm going to talk about what indoctrination is because I believe that most of Americans have been indoctrinated to believe that vaccines are like the best thing on earth for all of us. Indoctrination is the representation of one point of view. The process is often distinguished from education by the fact that it indoctrinates a person and expects them not to question or to critically examine the doctrine they have learned. Okay? So we all have to ask ourselves, that, right, are we, are, we being, are we indoctrinated to believe this or are we educated? There's also another definition that I believe is very appropriate, and it's the definition of propaganda. Propaganda is information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. What we hear on TV, from the CDC, from the FDA, from the Institute of Medicine, from the American Academy of Pediatrics, from your medical doctor who's never even looked at what's in a vaccine is propaganda. Because we are told that, you know, don't question it, trust me, believe me, I'm the authority. We are told to to just don't even take the time to research it, just trust me. And I'm sorry, but we are being propagandized because we're all told that these things are safe and they're tested and they're not. I, th- I think the reason why is because, well, back in back in, in our days, in the, you know, seventies, eighties, um, we never really. They always told us, "Get the vaccine; it's gonna it's gonna help you; it's gonna save lives or whatever." Then you get now to the we're at the internet age now, where there is so much information out there. You have somebody say, "Well, vaccines are good for you," and now all of a sudden, somebody's saying the vaccines are bad, and then all of a sudden, here come, "Well, that's a hoax. This is a myth." There's nobody knows what to believe because there's so fact, much, I, I, so much yeah. information out there and so much, so many uh, uh, yeah. hoaxes and myths and, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what to believe. And that's that I think that's what and, the problem is. Yes, it's a big problem. Well, first of all, you know, reality is, is people do more research on what kind of car seat to get their children and what kind of bed to get them in the crib, you know, and, and what kind of food that they are, you know, hopefully parents are buying more organic, but nobody really takes the time to look at what's being injected into my baby. Um, Doctors are telling parents, just sign the consent form and trust me. So I tell people, don't just consent. Look at everything that you're putting in their mouth and everything you're injecting into their little bodies and make an informed decision. You know, Mark Twain said, it is easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. And I've been doing this now for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people want to believe that these vaccines are wonderful because, number one, they they, perhaps they've done them. And now they have to look back and say, well, gosh, maybe I didn't make the best decision for my child. Maybe my child has asthma or seizure disorders or died from crib death 
or something that's been deaf, or maybe my, my child's food allergies or diabetes is because I was remiss and didn't look at the research before I did this. Right. And again, I'm sorry to be the person to bear this bad news, but I, I'm not lying to people. I, I have nothing to gain. Nobody pays me to do this research. Right. I don't get paid by big pharma. On the other hand, on the other hand, pediatricians depend on vaccines to keep their business going. Pediatricians make money off of vaccines, a lot of money. They get bonuses if they have their, you know, population of their or their practice are, are, are highly vaccinated. And if they don't get their quota done, they get reprimanded and they get penalized. This is a money problem, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a money problem. It always boils and down so to money. I just tell people it really does. It really does. And so, I oh boy, I, like I said, I can go for four or five hours. When I do my lectures, I do two hours, and then I take a break, and then we do two more hours, and I get through it all. Right. Um, but there's so much to discuss. Yeah, and like I said, there's so oh, much information. Oh, I know. Go ahead. I wanted to talk about um, the measles outbreaks. Um, who's responsible for the propaganda saying that it's the unvaccinated who are causing all of this, okay? And so, first of all, it is a proven fact that highly vaccinated populations are the ones who are having the outbreaks. Um, the, the measles vaccine, the chickenpox vaccine, as well as the pertussis vaccine are all live virus vaccines designed to shed. This isn't an accident. They are designed to shed. Uh, There was a study done on the pertussis vaccine, which is whooping cough, where they took orangutans or baboons. I'm sorry. They took baboons, and they gave them all the pertussis vaccine that we give our children. They gave them the whole series of it, and then they they did scopes, and they did blood work, and they found out that the baboons did not express the illness, but they were carriers of the illness and shed it to other people or other baboons. Hmm. Well, these How do you are like that? these are baboons, not humans. But they are the closest thing to human beings, right? And right. if you look statistically, yeah, if you look statistically at how many people get the measles, it's the highly vaccinated. In fact, I'll quote American Academy of Pediatrics in 2004, which is when we first started to see our first big measles outbreak. This is a quote from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As compared with the under-vaccinated children, the unvaccinated children were more likely to be male, to be white, to belong in a household. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong slide. I'm sorry. Hold on one second here. <laughs> that, that slide talks about who isn't vaccinating. Right. It happens to be families where mother has an education, um, higher income, and also live with four or more children. They're the ones who aren't vaccinating. And so... I've got my slides mixed up. Hold on just a minute here. Um, well, well, while you're doing that, I just want to anyway, say, when you, were, when you mm-hmm. were talking about uh, the doctors, they make you sign the consent, to, and they say, well, trust me, this is what's best for the kid. Um, and you say, do your own research, okay? So the doctor says this, so the, uh, the lady or the man, whoever it is, decides to go on Google to, to, to do some research on this, and they see millions and millions of websites that are that are talking about not to or you should and they basically just throw their hands up in the air and say you know what let's just trust a doctor on this and and just get it done 
basically right. because it's just, it's just too much. Like I said, there's just yeah. too much information out there. That's the problem. It can be confusing. Yes, it can and be confusing. And I hear you. In fact, um, my my saying on my DVD is, um, "What you don't know can hurt you." And if you're conflu- confused by conflicting opinions, it can be very, very confusing. Um, and yet one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Um, we can't both be right. You know, Mary Toko getting out there and exposing all the terrible vaccine ingredients and, and the magnitude of the, of the chronic illness in children. You know, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. I know that there are other contributing factors as to why we have obesity and other things. But the number one problem is the vaccines. It's the, the biggest thing that we're doing. Um, and I will tell you this, too. As far mm-hmm. as vaccine shedding, uh, I just came across one of my slides, which I think is very important. For people that say, oh, that can't possibly be true. St. Jude's Children's Hospital, when you have somebody in there who is going through cancer treatment, they do not allow anybody to visit if they received an oral polio or smallpox vaccine within the last four weeks if they receive the nasal flu vaccine within one week, and if they have rashes after receiving the chickenpox or the MMR vaccine, because they know that they are carriers and they can't be around these vulnerable children. How do you like that? Well, what about Whoa. what about the other Isn't ones? What about the other vaccines, diphtheria and, and some of the well, other? Well, some of them, well, the, the outbreaks we're seeing is whooping cough, measles, and chickenpox. Now, do you and think... Those are I'm sorry, go on. Uh, do you think uh, a lot of the carriers right now could be the illegal immigrants and their children? Could they have well, they an effect? Well, they might be. Yeah. But let me, let me ask you, have either of you had the chicken pox? Yes. Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Um, how many children die of chicken pox every year? Do you know? I have no clue. No, no clue at all. I'm sure it's probably None. not not many. Zero. Okay. Zero. Zero. Right. Okay. Have either of you had the measles as a kid growing up? No, I, I have not. Okay. Probably because they started vaccinating people and it suppresses your ability to express the disease. So therefore you didn't have it. Um, have you had whooping cough or, or other types of childhood illnesses? No, I, um, I, I was, I was heavily, I was heavily medi- med- vaccinated. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I never had the mumps. Okay. Well, okay. So th- that tells me why. Um, but, this whole concept of herd immunity, number one, is a false theory, and I can prove it very carefully. Um, in fact, I'll just reference a, a famous doctor who's done extensive research on herd immunity because, really, it comes down to this belief that if we have herd immunity, nobody's going to get sick. There will be no more measles, no more chicken pox, no more viruses, no more whooping cough. We'll all be healthy, right? Isn't right. that the goal? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. We do more vaccines than any other country in the world. Our children are twice as unhealthy as any other country in the world. Do you think something might be wrong? Yes, definitely. Do you okay. do you feel that okay. there are some vaccines out there that do help, though? Personally, no. Okay. If I did, if I did, I would have given them to my five children. I have seven grandchildren who've never had a vaccine. They are so healthy; it's amazing. Um, my five grown children. Uh, I, I talked to unvaccinated families across the country all the time. You know what I hear consistently? My kids aren't on asthma medication. They don't have gut problems. They have no trouble learning. They don't have behavioral issues. They're not on psych drugs. Uh, They're the healthiest kids we know. Okay. And then we also have parents out there who have children who they did vaccinate and then they learned and then they didn't vaccinate maybe two or three of the other children and out of their maybe four or five kids, the vaccinated children are always sick. 
their unvaccinated children are not. Oh, and there's a great study I want to tell you guys about, too. Um, first of all, I've always said we need to study the vaccinated and compare them to the unvaccinated. Don't mm. you think that would be a worthy study? <clears throat> yes. Well, our government refuses to do it, okay? They refuse to do it. They say it would be unethical to not vaccinate anybody. Well, first of all, I have a database of hundreds and hundreds of people that have never been vaccinated. And if you're out there listening to me and, and you don't mind doing a survey someday up the road to help with that study, you can email me, mary at marytoko.com. That's my email. Yeah, but it's all, or it's, you can go to my website and it's all email gonna, me from Childhood Shops. Right. It's all going to be on the description below for you. I'm sorry? I said it's, it's going to be in the description below once this is up on YouTube. Oh, okay. um, uh, just to let you know, I'm on a... what I wanted to say... Go oh. ahead. On, on, on the, oh, on the CDC on the CDC website I'm on right now, it says um, as many as 13,500 people were hospitalized for the chickenpox, and 100 to 150 people have died in that given year. Okay. Um, so first of all, you have to look at the the true statistics. Um, uh, they say that there's you know 45,000 people that die of the flu every year. Those statistics are totally false. Well, of course. When I pull my figures, I'm pulling them from the MMRW, the um, mortuary, the, the true scientific studies of who dies from what diseases. Now, people who are immune compromised, who get uh, an infectious illness, who are already immune compromised, are going to be susceptible and will perhaps die. But that doesn't necessarily mean they died because they got the measles. They might have already been immune compromised, which is a problem that we have created because of the vaccines. Well, this is not the measles. This is chickenpox. Same with chickenpox. All of these illnesses for 99% of the population uh-huh. are not life-threatening. 99% of the population get over them without any complications whatsoever. Well, sure. I mean, and I... the result is that they have lifelong immunity. And they're also starting to discover that when you allow yourself to get measles, mumps, and some of these other infectious illnesses, it actually causes you to have immunity to different types of cancers as an adult. Oh. Mm-hmm. I know anybody was... And was... when you get these illnesses, well, when you get these illnesses as a child, like if you get mumps as a child, it's not, it's not fun, it's uncomfortable. Sure. But they are actually showing that when you get mumps as a child, for a, a female... You're, you have a natural anti-cancer immunity for cervical cancer. If you get mumps as an adult, it can lead to a whole lot of other problems that are much worse than if you would have gotten them as a child. So I know um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was herd immunity, and we, we got off of that topic. Okay, well, um, we can get back on that. Sure, yes. Uh, do you have any right. callers? Uh, we have... Well, here, so I got a caller here. Let's see. You're on two guys in the mic. Are you uh, just listening, or are you? Uh, do you have a question? I'm sorry. Hello. Did you have a question? No, I guess not. Hmm. I'll give you something to think about. Go ahead. Go ahead. This, this concept of herd immunity, uh-huh. saying that basically you have to have 90% of the population fully vaccinated 
or we'll always have the threat of these huge, you know, catastrophic outbreaks. So um, let's just look at it this way. I am in my 60s. I haven't had a vaccine since I was a little girl. When I do my public lectures, I usually, you know, ask the audience, if you are 40 years or older, raise your hand. And I ask all of them, have you had 38 to 40 vaccines? If you have, keep your hand up. All the hands go down. If you're 35 to 40, raise your hand. If you've had all 38 to 40 vaccines, keep your hand up. All the hands go down. If you're 25 to 30, none of them have had all the vaccines. In fact, majority of the baby boomers walking out there right now might have had three to five vaccines, and they might be taking flu shots every year because their doctor tells them to. The bottom line is none of them, none of them have had all the vaccines that they say are necessary for herd immunity. So if you've got over 50% of the population or more right now walking around without any vaccines since they were kids, it should prove it right there that herd immunity is a lie. Herd immunity is basically used to frighten doctors and public health officials and other medical personnel and public into accepting vaccinations. Dr. Russell Blalack uh -huh. is, um, he's an amazing, he, he's a, a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon, and he is 100% against use of vaccines and has done extensive research. And his quote is, vaccine-induced herd immunity is mostly a myth. He said, when I was in medical school, we were taught that all of the vaccines lasted a lifetime. This thinking existed for over 70 years. And then he says, in essence, at least 50% more of our population right now has been unprotected for decades, and yet we do not have any massive outbreaks of any kind. Well, some people, some, some, people, some people would say the reason why we don't have any is because we're being vaccinated. <laughs> No, but when you look back, remember I mentioned earlier that vaccinations came into play decades after uh, the infectious illness death rates had died, right. had died off completely? Yes. So I'm going to get to my charts, and I'm going to actually show you statistically um, when all of this happened. Um, hold on just a second. So we started with the polio vaccine. Right. Okay? In the early 1900s, there was a huge death rate decline, and it continued until the 1950s. It was because of improved water supply, better sanitation, better nutrition. Vaccines were introduced in the late 1950s, 10 to 40 years after death rate declined, yet they are often given credit for eradicating polio. Claims are always made that vaccines are responsible for declining of infectious illnesses. Yet, according to the World Health Statistics Annual, in 1973 to 76, they published this study, and they said, quote, there had been a steady decline of infectious diseases in most developing countries, regardless of the percentage of vaccines administered. It was because of sanitation being implemented, improved public water supply, improved personal hygiene, and better distribution, and increased consumption of fruits and vegetables. Okay? They went on to say diseases for which there were no vaccines, also declined dramatically. You have to understand what it was like back then, and this young generation don't realize it. I don't think, I don't think many 40- and 50- and 60-year-olds realized what it was like back then. But cities were filthy. They had garbage everywhere. They had rotting food everywhere. Their rivers were full of garbage. They used outhouses. They had no refrigeration. 
People poured their urine in the streets each morning. People slaughtered their animals as they raised them. Again, keep in mind, nowhere to refrigerate them. Right. They had ice houses to keep things cold, root cellars to keep vegetables going. And so basically, it was more to do with sanitation, no clean water. Back then, they all washed in the local pond. They brought their water in from wells or rivers or lakes where animals also drank and bathed. People bathed in the water. Back in those days, people only bathed once a month. Okay, <laughs> this was when all of these infectious illnesses were very prevalent. Um, the refrigerator wasn't even developed until 1913. Mm-hmm. Guess when the first virus was discovered? 1913. In 1933. Oh, 1933. 1933. Okay. Right. Refrigerators, um, home freezers, were not even developed till the 1940s. So the the world was a very different place. And so really it was decades after all of this improvement. And I actually showed charts and graphs when they began to put sewer systems around the different cities and states and how they were passing acts to start filtrating water and and using chlorine to, to clean water and drinking water. And how, I mean, I have all of this documented when they started to do this. As a kid, I can remember them bringing city water into our neighborhood, and I was 12 and 13 years of age. So it's really the environment was absolutely filthy. People didn't know anything about germs. They didn't know what a virus was. They didn't wash their hands before they did anything. And so people were basically the spreaders of all of this, and that's why people were dying, and that's why people were sick. So my charts and graphs from the United States Vital Statistics I have a a graph in my DVD series from 1937 to 1992. The death rate from diphtheria was almost non-existent in 1951. It was non-existent. We're talking under five people dying a year. And they introduced the first whooping cough vaccine. The diphtheria vaccine was introduced in the 20s, but it wasn't even used on a mass scale. It wasn't used on a mass scale until the 60s. I mean, I can go on and on and on. So it had nothing to do with the vaccines. Death rates in third world countries will always be high because they don't have clean water. They don't have sanitation. They don't have proper nutrition. Right. Instead of taking them clean water and sanitation, Bill Gates takes them vaccinations. Right. Um, okay. You, now, uh, another thing, Mary, real quick, is uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people my age, I'm uh, in my uh, uh, early 50s. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, okay. He's in his low 50s. Yeah, low 50s. <laughs> I will, we'll say that. Um, I noticed that uh, in the obituaries, there's a lot of people my age uh, passing away from cancer. Do you feel that that is uh, tied in any way with these vaccines? Oh, yes. It is a fact. It is a fact. In fact, if I can pull up my slides, I will. That the first polio vaccine introduced in this country was introduced along with cancer viruses. They actually, my DVD, I have a video where people can go look on YouTube, and I'm looking for it right now. Hold on just a second. There was a top researcher um, that said that, oh, here it is, YouTube, 
Dr. Maurice Hillerman. It's M-A-U-R-I-C-E, Hillerman, H-I-L-L-E-R-M-A-N. He was a top vaccine pioneer, okay? Right. And he laughed. He actually laughed in this video that you can pull up. And he says, quote, I brought African greens in. I didn't know we were importing AIDS viruses at the time. Okay? Hmm. Okay. He admits to bringing in AIDS viruses. When you go on and do a little bit more research into the first polio vaccine, um, there were actually people who were murdered when they discovered cancer viruses in the first polio vaccine. In fact, in 1976, Jonas Salk testified in hearings saying that the live virus vaccine, which was the sole vaccine of choice, was the principal, if not the sole cause of all polio in the United States in 1961. And then they go on and they actually admit that they brought in cancer viruses in that vaccine. And again, I go into all of this. Um, and, and this is nothing new. Uh, right now, we have paralysis in children in this country. It's all coming back again. And I believe it's because they are using an older polio virus or they're using a new one. Um, and it's, it's actually September 3, 2014. I bring up articles in the news, um, USA Strange Polio-Like Symptoms. Ten children in Colorado have polio-like symptoms that may be caused by the enterovirus, B68. Um, they go on to say the CDC is investigating the cause of these symptoms. Health officials do not believe that the cases were caused by the polio vaccine, but at least eight of the ten children are up to date on all their polio shots. That's only one article. Well, you said CNN reported it in 2014. You said you said may cause. In other words, they're not really sure if, if that's no, what caused it or not. No, because they're not You know what the problem is? I'd like to know what type of polio virus they're using now. Is right. it this new enterovirus? I, 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 I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to tell you. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And and it's interesting because I have this goes on and on. Um, another article. October 28, 2014, doctors mystified by paralysis in dozens of children. This is a New York Times article. It says, it goes on to say, more than 50 children in 23 states had mysterious episodes of paralysis to their arms and their legs, according to the data gathered by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The cause is not known, although some doctors suspect the cases may be linked to an infection with enterovirus 68, a respiratory virus, that has sickened thousands of children in recent months. They go on to say that these children were all vaccinated. I'm sorry, all of my research is pointing to the vaccines as being the cause of polio, the cause of autism, the cause of asthma, the cause of diabetes, the cause of learning problems, the cause of depression, anxiety, sudden infant death. Hmm. I mean, I can go on and on. Have you ever ever had uh, this is kind of a, uh, the flip side to it. Have you ever had anybody call you up and say, "Mary, your information is wrong. My my child, I didn't get her vaccinated, and and now something's wrong. She has problems." And well, maybe some might yeah. say she died or something like that. I mean, have you ever had anybody mm-hmm. uh, come up to you with yes. bad no, news? No, no. no, I haven't. But I'll, but I, I know that I know the realities of life is number one, some babies are going to die. We are going to have some children especially now, 
because they're giving women flu shots while they're pregnant. They're telling them to get the DTaP vaccine while they're pregnant. We're going to have some children who are just born weak and aren't going to make it. We're always going to have the sad truth that some babies are not going to make it through the first year or two of life. It's a fact that some children who might not have ever had a vaccine are being exposed to other toxins in the world. It might be where mother got a Rogam vaccine because she's Rh negative while she was pregnant that was full of mercury. And that could be what causes that child's death. It, there's so many things right now that can cause children to have issues, seizure disorders. But I'll tell you what, I have never once had a parent come to me except one time who said my children are not vaccinated but they're having learning disabilities. And it was at a lecture. I was actually, I think I was in Ohio. And I just got done talking about my first part of my lecture. I was talking to the parents about the aluminum levels in that Aspen study. And I had a, a mother of four. And she, she came up. She and her husband were there. And she had, like, kind of tears in her eyes. And she said, Mary, I have to tell you, we didn't vaccinate our kids. We listened to you years ago, and we never vaccinated our kids. But my little one was born prematurely, three weeks. And my little one got that interval nutrition you talked about today, full of aluminum. And that's my only child that's having learning and neurological problems. And he's two and a half, and he's not talking. She goes, oh, my gosh. It was probably that nutrition that contained all that aluminum. Mm. She said, we have been wondering. We've been racking our brains about what happened to our child. And she goes, now I know. It was probably that aluminum. Hmm. That's the only time. Um, Mary, we're, we're going to give it a, another maybe 10 minutes yet, 15. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. Uh, anybody listening, if they have a question for Mary Toko or would like to uh, make a comment, which is respectful, you can call 605-472-5384. Our PIN number is 161-335. We also have a chat line that's open right now on YouTube live. So if you would rather just uh, use our chat line, uh, we can ask the question to Mary and uh, she can give you the answer. Also, don't forget, if you would like to... Uh, um, purchase a copy of her DVD. You can go to childhoodshots.com, and on that website you can learn a lot of information. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can you can that are on her site that you can purchase, or or if you want to support her, is there a way to, to if somebody wants to donate money or something like that, Mary? There... Um, I I think there's a donate button. I don't even know if there's a donate button. They certainly <laughs> can contact me. Um, believe it or not, I, I don't do this for money. Honestly, I don't. I charge for my stuff because, number one, it takes me thousands of hours to put this stuff together. Well, sure, sure. And I'm self-funded. And, and I charge for my lectures because I've got 40 years of research I bring to the table, and I make it so easy for parents and for research and doctors and nurses to look at it all and make an informed decision. I mean, what's taken me thousands and thousands of hours, I make it so easy. Um, so if somebody really felt like they wanted to help me out financially, they could certainly contact me through my website or through my Facebook page. I will be happy to take their donations because it goes right back into my research and developing other product lines to help people. But there is something that we haven't covered that I really, really want to cover. Sure. Okay. If 
People are concerned about the use of aborted fetal cell lines in making vaccines. Number one, if you're a Christian and you think abortion is wrong, you need to really, really embrace what I'm going to be telling you here. The godfather of vaccines, his name is, um, hold on one second, his name is Dr. Stanley Plotkin, P-L-O-T-K-I-N. He was recently subpoenaed uh, in a hearing in Michigan to talk about his role in vaccine development. Now, this is the godfather of vaccines. Under oath, you can hear him admitting that, number one, they use aborted fetal cell lines all the time in aborted fetuses. He first kind of lies, and then he tries to cover it up, and he says he's done it a couple times. Then the attorney comes out and says, well, we have a study here. We use 76 aborted fetuses to do this study. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then this, this attorney says to him, so, sir, you know, there are a lot of religious people who believe abortion is a sin and are, are appalled at the fact that you're using them to develop vaccines. And, and a lot of people say you're going to go to hell. And you know what he says? I'd be happy to go to hell. I don't care. I'm an atheist. And he laughs. I'd be happy to go to hell. Hmm. Them, you them can stinking learn all atheists, about this. let me tell you. Uh, Jason's uh, yes. Jason's okay. atheist, so I'm just teasing him right now. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, you can learn all about this by YouTubing Dell Bigtree Highwire. So Dell Bigtree is a producer who is producing the Doctor's Daytime program. He took a break to produce the movie Vaxxed, V-A-X-X-E-D, which exposes Dr. William Thompson, who worked on, uh, he worked as a, um, a research doctor looking at the autism measles connection. Okay, it exposes how Dr. Thompson is a whistleblower who comes out now and says, we lied to the people, the measles vaccine can cause autism, and he took all of it to Del Bigtree. Del Bigtree walked away as the producer of the doctor's program and produced the movie Vaxxed, V-A-X-X-E-D. Del Bigtree, for the, next, for, for the last two years, has been educating people on all the garbage he's, built, he's digging up, and it's amazing. Um, but you can go to the High Wire with Del Bigtree, and you can see just in the last couple of weeks, he talks about how he, his group, has sued the FDA. Okay. They have sued the CDC. They have sued Human Health Services, and they all have admitted by, by, you know, by lawsuit, they've all admitted that none of the vaccines are studied for safety. They also admitted that they are telling pregnant women to get the flu shot, even though it has never been studied on pregnancy, even though there have been more cases of miscarriages in pregnant women carrying their babies because of the flu shot than ever before in history. So they know that these babies are dying and are being miscarried. They know that vaccines like this have never been tried on pregnant women. And yet the television commercials, the doctors out there are pushing it. Your, your local pharmacy is pushing it. It's criminal what we're doing. Criminal. Right. Um, just so uh, our listeners know, we're going to give it five more minutes. 605-472-5384 is our phone number. And you're going to use the PIN number 161335 if you have a question for Miss Mary Toko or you have a comment for her, right. a respectful comment. We also have a chat line available. If you uh, go to YouTube, um, we're live right now. I mean, and even if – would it be okay, uh, Mary, uh, if, I, if I was to uh, – well, I guess maybe I shouldn't. I just put your, your website on there. But there, you have a phone number where they can contact you on your website? 
if, in case they have any questions no, yeah, after the show? Absolutely. That's my phone number. Hey, I will talk to anybody anytime right. about this topic. But, I am so passionate about it. But what, what because I'm saying I is, believe that children's lives are at stake. But go ahead and put my number out there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was, I'll, I'll as long it, as we got your right, approval. We wanted to put that in the description in case anybody has a question. Because, I mean, even once this you know is over... It's going to be on YouTube, and people will probably be watching it, and they want to probably get a hold of you, so they'll have the phone number. Okay, that's good. That's good. And also, uh, now, Mary, uh, uh, when again are you going to be uh, the keynote speaker in Minnesota? Okay, let me pull up. It's September 20, I'm sorry, September 13th and 14th and 15th. What we're doing is we are flying in on a Friday night, uh, both Delta and myself are going to fly in. We're going to have a private dinner with people who are interested in meeting with us privately there. And then Saturday is the event. Um, if you give me a second, I can give you the details. Sure. I have it here. I just have to pull it up. Okay. Um, well, while, while you're doing that, um, I had a question about these uh, lawsuits that the, that's going on. Did Have uh, these people yeah. won the lawsuit? Have they anybody win the lawsuit against the FDA or anything like that? Or was it just shot down? Mm -hmm. Nope, they won. In fact, won. we're going to okay. hear more about that. Yes, they won. What they did is um, through the Freedom of Information Act, they found out that the CDC is not doing the proper safety studies. Um, by law, they were ordered back in 1986 that they had to do so many safety studies every couple of years. And so um, they found out that they weren't doing them. None. Okay. okay. And so they took them to they actually have them, they subpoenaed them, and they actually admitted that they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing by law and that they're mandating these things and telling people that they need to do them, and they really, um, they're breaking the law in doing so. Okay? So I have the name. I, this uh, backing presentation is going to be at, oh, my goodness. Uh, it's in Alexandria, Minnesota. The doctor who is putting it on, okay, it's at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. Okay. Um, it's going to start September 14th, Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m., and it will go till 3.30. Uh, they're having a special dinner fundraiser event on Friday night. And again, it's going to be at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. And if people want more information, they can go to my Facebook page. I will have I um, post a flyer there where they can actually go and they can sign up uh, using Eventbrite and pay. I think the tickets are only twenty dollars, so it's very affordable. And so um, I hope to see thousands of people. I think they can. I think they can fit many, many hundreds. So we're we're really excited about this event. Nice. And uh, also, uh, people, don't forget, you can go to uh, Mary's uh, website called childhoodshots.com. Um, Mary is uh, our guest today. She's a public speaker, a natural health consultant, independent vaccine investigator, and also uh, she is one of the nation's leading experts on vaccines. So we want to thank you, Mary, for being on our show today. Um, maybe if we can come... Uh, have you on our show again in the uh, in the future, in the next couple months? Uh, would it be something you'd be interested in doing? Oh, absolutely. I am all about reaching as many people as I can and sounding the alarm. Um, and, and, you know, I do want to thank your listeners for being patient. Um, and, you know, Edmund Burke said, all that is needed for evil to succeed is that decent human beings do nothing. 
please, if you find this information compelling, please get it out to your family, your friends, get it to people that will never have a chance to hear me, get it in your circle, because you have an opportunity and a responsibility now to sound the alarm and reach people that I can't reach in your circle. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, once again, Mary, we want to thank you for uh, taking your time out of your day to uh, be with us so that way we could uh, share this information with others. I also want one last time, I want to say to Joe and Sue, I love you. Uh, thank you for listening to the show today. Um, Mary, you have yourself a wonderful day. Um, we'll stay in contact and maybe we can uh, um, talk again in the future. That sound good? I would love to. I would love to come back. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yep. Have a blessed day. You too. too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, let's uh, uh, not forget now, next Sunday, for those who uh, um, are joining us, um, we will be having another uh, Testimonies of Ex-Jehovah's Witnesses next Sunday at 3 o'clock right. Central Standard Time. So, April, you better be there if you're listening. And uh, what was his, uh, the Unre? <laughs> we're not going to say the rest uh, of We know one. exactly who we're talking about. And yep. also, if you would like to support the show, uh, I should have done this at the beginning, but that's okay. Uh, we'll probably do it next time like that. But, uh, you know, with with the stuff going on, we got people that we're bringing in. Uh, it gets a, expensive. It gets is, expensive. Yes, it does. Yes, right it now. does. And uh, we have a uh, PayPal if you'd like to donate or, or do it monthly. That's great. If you can't do that, and that's fine, we understand, subscribe to the channel because that also helps support us too yes, when you subscribe does. to our channel. Okay, now before we leave, I want to say that uh, one more time, G-Man, and I hope I get a hold of that guy, because it's something I've been really wanting to talk about is the prison reform, because I've heard a lot of other things going on about uh, people talking about prisons and how it's unfair and all this other stuff. And also, uh, uh, childhood stars, Um, we want to talk to uh, anyone who was a child star that maybe got out of the business, uh, whether it was uh, due to they couldn't find parts or they just wanted out. Um, I mean, we're doing a shout out to Jeremy Miller from uh, Growing Pains and also uh, Screech Dustin Diamond from uh, Saved by the Bell. We're trying to get a hold of you two guys. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, everything we talk about is of a positive nature, unless you would like to bring something negative up. Well, there's always going to be pros and cons. There's always going to be right. people, you know, that are going to be saying, "Well, you know, kids," but that's fine. That's that's how that's how interviews go. I mean, right. we, we we have people that like it, and there's some people that don't, and they can express their opinion if they like to, if they keep it civil. Right. Okay. And once again, we want to thank Mary Toko for being on our show today. Um, it, wonderful for her to take her time out of her busy day to be with us right and also like i said we're going to have her all her information on the on the description below so you can you can uh, get a hold of her if you need to now also before we leave uh rebecca home survivors if you were in the rebecca home or the anchor home or the city of refuge or uh any one of those homes that were from lester roloff back in the 70s and 80s or even the 60s and if you have a story to tell, please uh, get a hold of me at it's two guys and a mic at gmail dot com, and we're gonna we're gonna do a show about that. And that's about all I got. Yep. So, all right. So, uh, like I said, we're here every Sunday, unless uh, otherwise specified, at uh, three o'clock Central Standard Time. Like I said, if you have a question for us or you have a 
uh, a show that you like, uh, or you have a topic for a show, let us know, and uh, we'll see what we can do. All right, so I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And this is... Two Guys and a Mic. Yes, it is. So we will see you next time, and everybody have a wonderful day.